Hello, and welcome to Why We Do the Work, a podcast about a couple of lifelong friends and working moms discussing the reality of childhood cancer. This is a podcast about childhood cancer. It's based out of Eugene, Oregon. We are specifically speaking on uh, West Eugene, particularly because there is a wood treatment plant there that has since been closed down called J.H. Baxter. But while it was in existence, it had poisoned the entire Bethel community, which is West Eugene, for nearly 100 years. So this is a podcast about childhood cancer. As I said, we're based out of Eugene, Oregon, and specifically West Eugene. I want to give a trigger warning as well, because uh, this is a podcast about childhood cancer, and it's a very sensitive subject. So uh, we want this to be a safe place for folks. So trigger warning for you there. Take care of yourselves. And thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Marjorie. I'm Lori. So today we're going to be talking about siblings, brothers and sisters. I think we should first talk about how we told our kids that their sibling had cancer. I'm trying to remember that day and early morning. Elisha... Um, already knew because he was there, but I did talk to him afterwards. Actually, I think I called you first. I remember getting a call. I mean, we don't talk on the phone at that hour. So um, when I saw that it was you calling, I knew right away that it was an emergency. And when I answered the phone, you were crying. And, and so what did um, I say? Do you remember what I said? You said, my baby has cancer. Oh, jeez, That person that entered me that day was a different person and I immediately had to put on the brave face and so called my boss it was early in the morning when I called her and then I went in to tell Jasmine and uh Jasmine you know Jasmine's sister and so I went in to tell Jasmine I don't even remember what I said to her I I just remember going in and I think I might have just blurted out Zion has cancer. I think I might have just blurted it out. I I don't know that I was really sensitive saying it to Jasmine because I had just found out right then. So I think I might have just woken her up and said, Zion has cancer. And I don't remember her reaction. I do remember she called her mom immediately. And I tried to gather my thoughts because um, I was going to have to call her big sister. I was going to have to call Peyton. And I knew that. I knew that was going to be difficult for Peyton because she was pregnant at the time and it was going to be hard for her to hear that. And so I was sort of procrastinating on calling her just because she was in such a fragile state with pregnant, being pregnant. And I called her and I said, well, Diane has cancer. And she said, what? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Zion has cancer. And she said, oh my God, mom, what are we going to do? You know, what, what do you mean she has cancer? This isn't real. This can't be. How does she have cancer? How did she get cancer? Right. You know, and I couldn't explain at that time. I didn't know what was what. What the things that Peyton said it, um, is how I felt also when you called um, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking that you were maybe overreacting. And that it was um, a diagnosis that you misunderstood or that was not going to be as grave of an outcome as what um, your reaction was. I understand now, having gone through Mm -hmm. a child being diagnosed with cancer myself, at the time, I I was sensitive to what you were feeling as a mom, but I had hoped that there was some rational explanation behind your hysteria that would be um, something that like, you know, that would make us feel more comfortable and that would calm us, that would make us feel reassured. And unfortunately that never came. Um, And so I'm sure that Peyton was feeling the same. Well, similarly to how I was in wanting you know, just, can you explain this to me? How did she get it? Why? How, Mm -hmm. how is this even possible? And then hoping maybe similar to me, um, that it was not as 
detrimental as what your uh, reaction was. And come to find out, it was even more extensive than we could ever have imagined, even at that point. Oh, my. Yeah, she's been, she went through it. So um, she faced death. She faced death. I mean, she, she was there. So we're, we're so lucky and so grateful that we are celebrating the fact that our kids are cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. So we're just, I mean, we're so, we're so lucky to be able to talk about this. I can't even find the word really, because it feels more than lucky. It feels more than, than blessed. It feels, I don't know, maybe we'll have to come up with a word. <laughs> maybe we'll have and to invent a word for it because there's, there's no. It's beyond both of those things. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yes, we, we do feel blessed. We do feel grateful, but those words are, those words are really only a fraction of the description of what, what it means to have um, a young person in your life, your child overcome um, something that threatened their lives. Immediately we went down to Eugene. As soon as it was early enough to go, we were on the highway and up the road and um, up the I-5. And when we were in the car, I got a phone call from her stepmom. And she said to me, and I've told you this before, she said to me, if you want, you can come into the house and see Zion and see Elisha and um, just be with us. I'll have pizza and we'll just hang out if you want to do that. That was profound because we had never really, we we don't hang out. So it was nice to have her invite me to the house and it it comforted comforted me in a way that I was like, okay, so we're going to go through this crazy thing with our families. We're going to have to mesh together and put any differences aside. And so, of course, we went there. And as soon as I saw Zion, I lost it. And I think it was the only time that she saw me lose it. I completely lost it. So we were there with her mom, her stepmom and dad and her other siblings. She has three other siblings on her dad's side and they were all there and Elisha was there and it was me and Peyton and all everybody everybody was there and we just kind of I think just sort of it there it was melancholy you know nobody really knew what to say right right and But but that was really significant because over the course of time that was the first step toward healing of a relationship that was that was pretty badly hurt mm-hmm. and pretty tender. Yeah. That's how we told them. And we were all together and we didn't talk about it. Nobody was talking about it when we went there. And, and the day after she found out, nobody was talking about it. We were just being together. And that was, it was really nice and really comforting. And I'm going to let you talk about how um, your kids were told and then we'll get into a little bit more of how we handled things with the kids and how they how we're it. still handling things. How with we're kids. still handling, yeah. When you found out that Zion had cancer, didn't she? She started treatment right away, though. Right? Oh, like, immediately, like maybe that day or the next day was her first appointment, right? Yeah, yeah, immediately she was in there immediately. So, and that was, that was chemo, right? I mean, that, that yep. was the very first thing. So that experience and the, the, just the speed of the diagnosis and then the treatment starting right away didn't give you any time to mentally prepare. No. You were right in there. No. So our experience was really different um, in that we all, we saw a similarity when we noticed when Simon first told us that he had a lump on his neck, I, Horace, called you right away, and you were like, a lump? What? And I showed you a picture of it, and I remember you were just like, we know what that, I mean, it, it was, it's not like we were in a position to make a diagnosis when neither one of us has had any experience with cancer besides the fact that Zion had been diagnosed um, maybe 15 months before that. But the similarities in what we were seeing and what they were describing 
were so undeniable that we immediately had the thought, oh my gosh, is this, a, is this another cancer? Um, so, and Simon knew that. He knew as soon as he showed it to me that that was my fear. And so you and I just kept going, remember we were going back and forth and saying, okay, are we paranoid because we know what cancer looks like and we're, we're projecting that? Or are we really seeing something that, that is, you know, remarkably similar to what Zion has? Well, unfortunately, the latter was true, right? I mean, that's what yeah. we would find out. But our diagnosis took a long time. There were a lot of tests to, because Simon was not at the stage that Zion was when she was diagnosed. His um, symptoms were milder. His blood work came back normal. So there were a lot of things that to, uh, to a doctor wouldn't necessarily look like cancer. Mm -hmm. So Simon's siblings were aware of the fact that he was going through all of these tests. And there was a certain level of anxiety um, in our whole family that persisted then over the course of a month because that's how long it took to get the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So they knew that it wasn't like the surprise that you had that one day you found out and told the siblings. Our kids knew Simon has two siblings at home, uh, Savannah and Nathan. Savannah is five. Oh, wait. She was four. Nice. She was four. Back it up. Okay. <laughs> um, so Savannah, what, was she three or four when he was diagnosed? She was four. Okay. So when, when we received our diagnosis, the kids had already been waiting for a month to, with us to know what was going on with Simon. And they knew, I mean, we were all worried, you included, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that it was cancer and that that's, that's what we were going to have to deal with. Um, but in between that, remember that his, his doctor kept trying all these different things. So the kids were just you know, they weren't sure what was going on. They knew I was concerned with it. They didn't know what to think. Mm -hmm. When when we finally found out that he had cancer, I think they pretty much already yeah. knew. We all kind of knew. So our our diagnosis experience was different, but the kids' reactions. I mean, Nathan wanted to shave his head in support. That was his that mm -hmm. was his first thing. And I don't even know if Simon had lost his hair yet when Nathan wanted to do that. He wanted to support. Right. And he's, and he's sore about it because he didn't get the, he didn't get the recognition from Simon at that time that he Did had. Did he shave his head? I don't he shaved his head. Oh my gosh. I don't like think bald. I remember him yeah. shaving his head. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, that was, Na that was Nathan's way of coping was to show his brother that he supported him by doing something that you could see, you know, that, and probably gave him a way to talk to his friends and yeah. people about his brother having cancer. Um, Savannah, what, you know, I mean, you remember, she she was really sweet. She was just turned four, her age, she was just turned yeah. four. And she understood. She, she really did. She understood from the beginning. And, and I think that the fact that Zion had been suffering from cancer already and that we had spent a lot of time talking about that, she knew, she knew what it was. She knew what mm -hmm. it meant. Um, she knew that it meant time in the hospital. Um, and Savannah is, you know, she would always draw pictures and mm -hmm. and be, you know, really curious and supportive. And I think when my kids started to really suffer from um, my attention being diverted was what, during remote learning. Mm -hmm. And there would be a Wednesday um, every other week when Nathan was home alone with his sister and they were just left to fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was so I hard. you have guilt about that. Oh yeah. I mean, I knew at the time that, you know, their emotional needs were not being attended. So yeah, I carry a lot of that with me. And I know that they were, they didn't, they didn't know what to expect and we didn't either, but they spent a lot of time alone during those, during those, uh, Days of chemotherapy. That was hard. Leaving him there like that and 
trying to be there for Simon, but thinking about your babies being at home by themselves and feeling torn between having to be there and, you know, having to be there with your kids, but really having to be there with Simon. Yeah, it, it was, it was really, you know, the, the, per, the person that I feel the most guilt about on my end is Elisha, because this happened right at the end of his high school career. And um, I remember we started her treatment right away and he, it was up here at Dornbecker. They lived out in Eugene. It was up here at Dornbecker um, Children's Hospital, which is a fabulous place. I, we owe them our children. I mean, our children were saved because of them. So um, I'm always going to really love Dornbecker. They came up here and, and Zion had to stay in the hospital, you know, while they were getting multiple days of treatment. I thought that that was just normal. And when this first happened, all the parents were there all the time during her appointments. And as things progressed, the mom and the stepmom and the dad, they would switch off. But I was always there. There wasn't ever a time that I wasn't there. So they came up here, started her treatment immediately. And for whatever reason, Elisha decided to stay home by himself right after finding out what happened. He decided to stay home by himself. And he not that not like he had ever stayed home by himself before. Like this was going to be the first time he really was at home alone in the night by himself. Yeah. And came up here, they came up here and they were in the hospital. And um, I called Elisha to see how he was doing because he's there alone with this. I just found out that my sister has cancer. He's just there by himself with, with those, those thoughts. thoughts right? Yeah. And so I called him up and this is the only time I saw him cry about her being sick. Um, I called him up and I could hear his voice, you know, trying not to cry and but wanting to cry and, and not really knowing how to cry or if he should cry because cancer wasn't happening to him. He didn't know if he had a right to cry. I'm just adding that. I know, I mean, I know my son, I know he was feeling like that. Um, forgive me, Elisha, if that's not your feelings, but um he I called him up and he was crying and he was like, I can't believe she has cancer. I can't believe she has cancer. And he was like, Why? Why does she have cancer? Why does she have to get cancer? Why couldn't it be me that got cancer? And I was like, oh my gosh, this child is so empathetic and so stressed out and worried about her, his sister. And he doesn't show his feelings. You know, Elisha doesn't right, show his right. feelings. And he cried and he was like, mom, I just keep on thinking about how she sings, you are my sunshine to Penny all the time. And he said, I, I just keep hearing her singing to Penny singing, you are my sunshine over and over again. And he's like, that's breaking my heart because I, that's making me feel sad. You know, that that's what I'm thinking about. And I said, do you want me to come and get you? Do you want me to come down and pick you up? I'll come and pick you up right now. And he said, no, that's okay, mom. And I said, well, you can go over to Sissy's house. You can go over to Peyton's. He's like, no, that's okay. Cause I think he just needed to get that out. He just needed to cry about it. And um, that's the only time he's cried about it in front of anybody. You know, I, he never cried again in front of me. And he had the hardest time with it because, like I said, it was at his, the end of his high school career. And so there were two years in there that he had to be by himself a lot because both of the other parents were coming up here um, all the time. And he, there were times that he had to be by himself. And so he learned how to take care of himself when he shouldn't be having to take care of himself or knowing to the extent that he had to take care of himself because he was still just a child. So that sticks out into my mind quite a bit. I can hear his voice and we were on FaceTime. That is kind of steered into my brain. And so I have a lot of guilt about, and I'll get into more about Elisha, but um, I have a lot of guilt because of, of of that that one particular moment especially well i know that when the kids when the kids started to understand what was going on for both for zion and for simon they were they were instantly like became little adults mm -hmm. and that's hard you don't want that for your child we don't want that for our children 
We want them to be able to live through their childhood and to see a preschool age child assume the role of an adult. I mean, there were times where you would be crying on the phone with me. And this is even before Simon was diagnosed. And Savannah would be like, Auntie's really sad right now because Ryan has cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for her to have known that without ever being told, you know, those are, those are really significant and sensitive responses that we got from our kids. Um, Simon and, and Nathan felt a lot of compassion for, for Zion as well. However, in the midst of Simon's treatment, we were really isolated. I mean, we had you, we had your support, but you, of course, were still helping Zion fight. Mm-hmm. And they were going to treatment at the same time at one point. Right. And, you know, we didn't, we weren't around anyone. Their dad was not traveling. So we were at home alone with a lot of emotion and a lot of illness. None of us ever got COVID during that time, thank goodness. And we were super quarantined. We didn't go out at all. I did all the shopping and I would do like all of it at once. So the kids, the kids were protected and they were at home, but they didn't have friends to share yeah. their experience with. They weren't in a classroom situation. So they didn't have, they didn't really have a lot of outlet. They didn't have, they probably didn't feel like they had support. They didn't feel like they had support mm-hmm. because I mean, as much as I could support them, as soon as I got home when they needed me they needed me to be doing regular stuff like helping them clean up the kitchen or finish dinner I had to immediately move into the caretaker for Simon because as you know like they have to take a bath and wash the chemicals Mm -hmm. off of their skin and you have to make sure that those chemicals are not on the toilet that their siblings are going to use these are things that you can't prepare for and you can't prepare your children for because when you're cleaning a toilet, you're cleaning it for germs, not for chemochemicals. Yeah. And you had to do all that during the pandemic. Zion got out of the hospital right at the start of the pandemic. So that was a blessing for us because I was already a basket case. You know, with and the Simon's siblings never saw him in the hospital because there were never guests permitted. His dad and I never went to the hospital together because there was never more than one adult allowed to be there. So we were, you know, it was just one of us. It was just me. So I know that that effect has had some negative repercussions. Unfortunately, Um, one of the repercussions is that Nathan is struggling still with school and he struggled with the remote learning and, you know, he's, previously a really good student but he suffers from migraine headaches as you know so he's just I mean he is having a lot of issues and I I know that it's partly my fault and well don't say it's your fault it's not it's not fault you were doing what we had to do it's not your fault it's not your fault and I do know that Nathan some of the things that are bringing out the migraines I feel are feelings that are down. You know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of stress that's been left over from his brother being sick and he's young. So he doesn't really know. I just, I, it's not your fault is really what I want to say. I feel like all of the kids have had to grow up in a way that they shouldn't have had to, because they have a sibling who has something that's going on with them that is completely foreign to them. They're, you know, siblings are used to going through a lot of the same experiences because you live in home and that's that's your brother, that's your sister. You're used to going through a lot of the same experiences. But when your sibling gets cancer and that's completely foreign to you, you don't know how to process those things. Even Peyton didn't as a 20, how old was she then? 23? 23. She was 23 and pregnant with her first baby. And she was, um, we're really close, you know, Peyton and I are really close. And we actually got closer over the time of Zion being sick because 
she was somebody that I could talk to about it and, and she would let me cry, you know, and, and I could do that and rely on her in that way. And that was, that was really, that was, I cherished that because I think that we were able to help each other. And then she gave me that baby. She gave me Fox. So I had like the distraction <laughs> of, and I was planning a wedding at the same time. Right. So I had the distraction of planning the wedding and Fox being born and Fox, you know, he was my, my therapy mate. Like he yeah. gave me joy, joy, because there's like, here's this super dark thing that's happening to his auntie, but here's this bright new, fresh life. I was so happy that Peyton gave me that baby and, and she was, she had a hard time with it because she's old. She's the oldest, you know, those kids, she looked after them. Like when I would be at work or her uh, stepdad would be at work, Peyton's stepdad, you know, the, Peyton has a stepdad. <laughs> That's not my husband. So anyway, it, it was hard on her. It really was because she, they were like her babies. Right. You know, she was, she was older, much older and than Zion. I mean, they're, they're her little brother and sister. She feels protective of them. Mm-hmm. And now it's hard looking back and talking about this because the effects mm-hmm. of having focused on Simon have definitely bled into the current situation. I, uh, I don't know how you guys dealt with it, but I know that we, one of the really big issues for us was a lack of discipline because mm-hmm. we didn't of course um there wasn't there wasn't any reason to discipline Simon at that time but we did probably spoil him a lot with you know any requests that he had or cravings that he had for food or anything that he wanted we gave him none of the other siblings or even he had ever received that kind of treatment from us mm-hmm. um so then you know, we felt guilty about any discipline that we were doing with the other kids. So I think we dropped the ball a little bit because we um, lacked the the consistency that our kids had always known from us. Mm-hmm. And so to go back and try to um, recreate or reconstruct is difficult. Yeah. It's like we're trying to get back to normal. And it's hard to get back to normal. And it was hard to explain to their siblings that they needed to have special things to eat and that they needed to have X, Y, Z because they were, they were sick. And so it made it difficult because there had to be a balance. And I was fortunate enough that I had one child. Um, I had a child that is a teenager here. You have baby girl, you had Savannah. Mm-hmm. And Nathan, of course, but Savannah, especially, you had younger kids. I had Elisha, who was 17 at the time, and Peyton, who was 23. And then I had Jasmine. And so I think that my experience with the siblings is a little bit different than what yours is because you had smaller children. You also have your significant other who is oh, here wow. to support. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas in my situation, my significant other works out of state and the you know, you know, I mean, during the pandemic, Mike only came home once. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just no, there was no travel. So he wasn't there. He was, and he was supportive as much as he could be. And we needed him to be working because everything was shut down. Yeah. yeah. So it was just hard. I, it's still hard. And sometimes I feel like we're using cancer as an excuse for, you know, things that are, that, maybe changed or kind of trickled into our current life situation or behaviors that Simon, I mean, Simon, you know, has had some behaviors that were created out of being pampered. Mm-hmm. He deserved it. And he still deserves it because of what he went through. But at the same time, I don't know about you guys, but we have a hard time holding Simon to the same accountability as his siblings. I do. I do 100%. And I think that's hard, you know, that can create a um, a wedge between the kids and it can create um, a difficult situation for us. So, you know, I don't really have all the answers. I don't think it's, it's an ongoing um, healing process, right? Yeah. yeah.
we went through a lot with them. And so it's really hard to tell any of the kids no. And I think all of our kids ended up spoiled because of what happened to our children. And I wouldn't change that, but we're on the other side of it. And so I, I never heard any of our kids, yours or mine, say stuff like, well, Simon always gets it. No. Simon always gets it. And I needed it. Uh. So we were very, very lucky that our children understood that mom had to be at the hospital or that mom had to run whomever a bath or mom has yeah. to go get Taco Bell because Simon wants it. And then that makes all the kids want it. And you can't say no. Right. You can't say no to the other kids. So a lot of spoiling has happened and it's been hard to, to get away from that, especially with, with the ones that had cancer, but with the siblings too, because I do feel guilty. Right. And then we've created this standard that during treatment made sense and now it's excessive. So, and we're having to try to, you know, wean the kids off of this. We're going to go and get food any time of the day or night that you want it mm -hmm. idea. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to tell anybody no. It's really hard. I, I think I barely use that word anymore. I, I don't think I say no We're very different. Much. We're so oh. different. Our parenting, if you can remember how we were before. I feel like I can't. I, I, <laughs> I want to. Go ahead and say what you're going to say. I'm no, sorry. it's hard to remember. It is. It's hard to remember. But I know that for myself, there, there was a part of my parenting style that was pretty cutthroat. You know, we grew up, oh, in, yeah. we grew up yeah. in military families. Yeah. No, in the no, it, no, it's no. That's it. No, you're not going. You're, you're, I'm not going to make that for you right now. You can wait until morning and you'll have breakfast or you can make yourself something, whatever. That parent isn't there anymore. No, we're, and we're soft. Yeah. And for better or worse, it is what it is. But it has definitely had a very big impact on all of Simon and Zion's siblings. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how the stepdad and the mom and stepmom and the dad dealt with it with their other kids. But I do know that they had small children. Um, her little sister basically grew up in the hospital. And there were times that both, both of the other parents were there and they've had, they brought some, they brought kids sometimes and they got to see what was going on with their sister. And I thought that that was important. Um, I hate that your kids weren't able to do that with Simon because it does make it real for them. It right. makes it like, okay, I can see exactly what right. they're doing to my sister. I, I want to know what they're doing with our sister before she got her port put in, she got her port put in and the, she, she had just gotten it. She was having chemo and this is when she was having chemo just in clinic because um. she did that for a minute and she was just having cl in clinic. But once we knew she was going to have to have the stem cell transplant, she got a port put in because the veins were messed up from all chemo and the sticks and pokes. So she had a port, a port put in and we, she was having chemo in clinic. And Zion was there with Elisha and Jasmine. Jasmine went a lot to like state when Zion stayed in the hospital, she went a lot. So that made it real for her too. But we had them there and they're just eating popsicles or whatever because you know they have all those snacks in there for the kids that get nauseous or whatever and one of her nurses came over and and she asked she said have you guys ever seen what a port looks like have you ever seen like where it is in the chest have you ever touched one felt one do you want to and she brought over this like torso and showed them exactly how they put the port in there and what it looked like and what it felt like underneath the skin. And I thought that that was really great for her, that, that mm -hmm. she got, the kids got to see, okay, well, they heard that she has this port in there. They saw her get, you know, they know she had surgery for it, but they hadn't actually ever really seen something like that. It was precious for her to do that. So I, I feel really bad for you because we couldn't hang out a lot during the pandemic and it's true. We didn't see each other. And so, um, like how your kids were able to see Zion in the hospital, mm -hmm. I think is profound. I think that, I think that that's important, um, part of the process. I know that Simon wanted Savannah and Nathan to see that. And I know that they wanted to go. 
because it's a part of, I mean, our kids have shared everything with each other. Mm -hmm. And it's something that Simon wanted to share with his siblings. Um, We had at one point discussed having Nathan go instead of me, Mm -hmm. that he would just be the one person, but that one person has to be an adult. So, you know, it wouldn't have worked because they have to have an adult in the room to have chemo administered. And so with Simon and Nathan both being children, then they wouldn't have been able to do it. So maybe there's a blank spot there that made it maybe more difficult for mm-hmm. um, for them to process. Yep. I did take a couple pictures, which I would show them. But of course, when you're looking at pictures of people in a hospital, it doesn't, you can never see what you feel when you're sitting next to someone who's hooked up to machines or who is receiving IV chemo drugs. I mean, watching that process, I think is important for the siblings to understand what, what they're, I mean, they understand each other in a way that we don't. You know, moving on, Simon's less than a year of cancer free. So we're still navigating that. I don't know what comes next. I don't know how we help the kids get out of this, you know, healing process and move on with life. Um, but right now it's just something that we talk about and we try to acknowledge where we fell short. I mean, all of my kids asking me about going to the dentist, we skipped everything mm-hmm. because of, because of Simon's immune system and because of COVID we dropped out. And now it's really hard to, for the kids to understand why didn't I go to the doctor? Why didn't I get to the dentist? Mm-hmm. And now we're trying to make up for that. And it's still going to be a long process to get back to where we were. Well, well, I, I don't think I ever really thought about that your kids never got to see Simon in the hospital until just right now. I don't think I ever really thought about that because that needed to happen kind of. And I feel like that got stolen away from you and Simon and from your kids because it made it real. Because if you're looking at a person in a picture in the hospital, it just looks scary and sick. Like you you can make up all sorts of things in your imagination about what was going on in that moment and how it smelled and whatever else, how Simon was feeling, you know, just looking at a picture did that whole thing that makes it separate. Like I said, it's like, I felt, I feel blessed that Zion was able to have that. And I feel angry that you were not able to have that and that you had to be isolated, alone, there by yourself, trying to take care of the kids, trying to take care of Simon, trying to go to doctor's appointments, juggling being a mom and guilt and all that. And I don't think I ever really, I didn't really think about the fact that you, that the kids didn't get to see that. Well, and I needed it too. I needed somebody else to see. (laughs) I mean, whether it was you or one of the kids, it was a heavy, it was a heavy thing and still is a heavy thing for me to watch Simon go through because Simon wouldn't talk to me about it. Simon didn't want to talk about chemo. He didn't want to talk about his feelings. He didn't want to talk about my feelings or he didn't want to talk about it or hear about his siblings feelings either. That is, you know, acceptable. I, I, I accept that, but you know, and thank God I had you to know what it was like to see your child in the hospital, but who knew what it was like to see Simon in the hospital? No one. You know, that that part of it, the kids missed, I missed. It's not a glorified thing. It's not that we, it's not that we want to brag, oh, this is what they went. But the feeling and the emotion of knowing what your sibling is experiencing and developing that empathy, I think is um, an important part of the process that we, that we didn't have. So, you know, whether or not that, um, is part of what's making this a long recovery period. I'm not sure, but I feel emotional in thinking about it, talking about it. It's going to take a while. It'll take a while before we are down, you know, further down the road from this before it feels gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you think Nathan talked to his friends about it? Because, you know, Savannah was in, she's just a baby. She wasn't in preschool or anything yet. And it was pandemic. So she wasn't going around friends. But do you think that Nathan talked about it very much with his friends or I'm sure they knew, but 
I don't know. Like, did he have anybody that he was talking to? Like, oh yeah, my brother's at chemo. He did. He did have a couple of friends. His closest friend um, has diabetes. And so he has had his own experiences with hospital stays and also having an an immune system that requires more protection. So his closest friend also was not able to go over to people's houses Mm -hmm. or um, visit. We didn't really let Nathan see anyone. And so that was another thing is that he had to, he had to basically sacrifice, you know, when people could get back together with their friends or could visit, Nathan wasn't allowed to because of Simon's immune system. But luckily, because his closest friend also had some of the similar restrictions, when it was time for people to get back together, he was allowed to come over to our house because they knew that our house was safe quor- space, quarantine, mm-hmm. um, essentially. And I knew the same about them that they were really strict with the um, masking. His mom is a healthcare provider, so I felt confident in that. So Nathan did have one close friend to share with. His other friends were um, from a different perspective. And their opinions about masking and about the pandemic were very, very different from our own. And so that was actually the beginning of severing ties with that friend group. Mm. So, and that was something that was probably coming anyway, but it came pretty abruptly for Nathan because he wasn't allowed to have that friend over or to go to that friend's house. And so that was something that he had to sacrifice Later, he made those, cut those ties on his own because of difference of, of, you know, how they handled things and how we handled things. So we didn't have to do that, but it was initially a sacrifice that he had to make. And so his friends, although they may have been understanding, they were also mad because he wasn't allowed to do anything. That's hard. Poor guy. That's really, really hard. The pandemic and cancer has stolen so much away from our kids. Elisha did not even really tell his friends about it. I don't think uh, they barely knew that he had a sister. <laughs> you know? I mean, he was that guy at school. Um, they barely knew that he had a sister. And I don't know that he really talked to anybody about it that much. He's private, very private. And I, I don't know that he talked about anybody that much. I do know that he talked about it to his teammates because one of their football games, everybody wore socks that were the color of the Hodgkin's lymphoma, that violet color. They all wore socks that were in support of that's awesome. Yeah. So I just I don't think he really talked to anybody about it. And that that lets me know right there that he was just not dismissing it, but just like full forge ahead on what he had going on. And because we weren't there to say every single time, well Elisha Maybe you should do this. Like, I feel bad that he, I don't, I don't know if he took his SATs, you know, as it it was coming out to be college time, I was like, do you need help with AFSA? He said, my dad's going to help me with that. And I just felt like there, I lost time with him. Like I lost like two years with my son and that, that I have a lot of guilt for because he's my only son. He's my, you know, he's my boy. And to have and know that he is locked up in his mind with this alone and not talking about it breaks my heart. It really does because, you know, like I said, the pandemic and cancer has stolen so much away from our kids, even not just the kids that had cancer, but their siblings. And I don't know that it's talked about very much. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's something out there to talk about siblings and they might've given it to us in the beginning. You know, they give all these books. They did. They did give us something in the, in the notebook and, and it does have some useful information for us to understand. Like, and it talks about some of the things we talked about too, like the discipline and to try to keep your, to keep your routine as normal as possible, which of course was impossible for us because of the pandemic. Um, but then also, you know, it talks about how it's important to have your child with cancer continue to do chores and continue to be accountable mm-hmm. because that prevents a little bit of that resentment that can build between siblings. But 
again, I don't know how realistic that is, especially under the circumstances that we were in. I mean, you can't read it in a book. I mean, there's probably books out there, but you know, you have to experience it. And I think that that's why this podcast is so important because we do talk about things that maybe other people don't necessarily talk about or think about because you're so wrapped up in what's going on with a child that's sick. It's hard to incorporate other people's needs. And I feel guilty saying that. I feel really guilty saying that because Zion was my focus and the money didn't matter. And other people's feelings didn't matter as much as they should. And, you know, that includes their siblings. And I, I feel I have a lot of even kind of shame, yeah, you know, too. for me too. And I was out of work as well, which in my adult life, one of the only long periods of time, maybe the only long period of time that I haven't had a job. And I intentionally did not look for a job during cancer because of you know it was just too consuming Mm -hmm. but I have shame as well in the lack of attention that the kids got the siblings got and the lack of organization the night before chemo I would always be awake I had a hard time sleeping on those nights and so that inhibited my ability to be present and helpful to Simon I mean to Nathan and Savannah when I was going to be in the hospital all day with Simon. It's just, it's really hard. Um, even if you knew that you were going to do something like this, I don't think you could make a plan. No, there's no plan. And it all just varies because, you know, you go in there and you're like, you're telling your kids, including the one that's having the treatment, you're telling them, okay, the protocol for that is five months. So you're telling your kids it's five months. And for both of our cases, it was not. And so, when we thought that we were going to be able to just like, okay, they're going to boom, boom, boom. We're going to be done with this. We weren't able to do that. And so our focus switched dramatically at that point. And I think that once it started to get where they were saying that Zion was going to have to have this or Zion was going to have to have that, I know that that was pulling me further away from the attention on the other kids. And it was, it, you know, I know that that was the moment that I was like, okay, that's it. This is it. This is, um, this is my focus. And I feel bad. You know, I feel, I don't know how to make that up. I don't know how to, I don't know how to remedy it. There's, I mean, there's no, there's no way. I mean, obviously we're really, really, really grateful that our children are healthy and they survived cancer. So we have to use that to build on and build, you know, positive new steps because um, some of the steps that we took during cancer um, may not have been the most conducive to the health, mental health or uh, the kids' sibling, but we just have to rebuild and, and with, you know, move forward. And they're so forgiving of us, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're so, they're so gracious with us mm-hmm. because I don't know how I would have handled my mom's focus being on somebody. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I would like to think that I would be as gracious as our kids. I would like to think that I, I wouldn't would, have been. I would like to think that I would, but I know that I wouldn't have been. Um, they show so much maturity and so much empathy. I mean, I'm still to this day just really, really amazed with how supportive they were at a time when they needed the support. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's giving me chills when you say that. But yeah, it you know, the kids... They're going to be okay. They're going to be okay, but they're, I'm always going to have that feeling. I'm always going to have like a makeup feeling like, what do you, you want something? Yeah, sure. You can have that. I feel like I'm always going to make up and hopefully it's not just with like material things. Hopefully at some point I can have the, the forgiveness that they have shown us during all that. I'm hoping that as time goes by, I can have that for myself for how it went with them. Right now, the focus for me besides, besides work, besides all that is getting back on track with the siblings. Like that's, and that shift has, has, it's switched over to the other kids. And I just feel like I don't want it to be too late. Right. I feel the same way. And so, I mean, we have to really guard against parenting out of guilt, I think, because I know it's something that we do. Um, We keep talking about 
we're talking about our kids being spoiled and then we're talking about like meals or they're asking for something in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, and it's not just that, but right. that is a good example. I mean, that's something that we've dealt with, but I mean, all of their rewards and everything is, is not through food. It's also through our permissiveness and allowing them to maybe have more than what um, they need. And yeah. I mean, it's really hard. Simon asks for a lot of stuff. He wants to, he wants to <laughs> concert me. tickets all the time. And I'm in my mind thinking what a wonderful experience because there was a time when I thought he may not ever have that experience. And so the fact that he wants to go to concerts, I want to provide that opportunity for him. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that we would be saying yes as frequently as we do we if, wouldn't. if cancer never happened. We wouldn't. We're those moms that are like, we need the plan first. We're not a last minute mom. And we want to know who's going to be there and how big is this concert. And we, are you going to be there with adults? You know, we would want to, we would want to know all the ins and outs. Where am I going to pick you up? What time am I going to, I mean, no, we still need to know all that, but we have, I mean, I've let Zion and Jasmine go to a bunch of concerts. I, and I let the kids go too. I mean, they went to a sold out show at the Moda Center by themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's something I don't feel like we would have done. Mm -mm, definitely. Three not. years ago, four years ago. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard road. We're going to get there. And I hope that this is healing for us to talk about it because I don't think we've talked about it in depth like this, especially the thing about Simon not being able to have his siblings there and all that. I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm sorry. I didn't think about it. And now I am. And I feel guilty because of it, but, <laughs> I don't know. but yeah, so today was you know, it was sensitive. It was hard to talk about what we talked about today, but I think it was necessary to really touch on siblings because like I said, I don't think people are talking about it enough. I think that they get the um, bad end of the stick. You know, I can't say the word. I don't want to be uncouth, but they get the bad end of the stick. And um, I'm hoping that with this discussion that we had today, some of the things that folks are feeling out there that they, ne that not, they didn't necessarily want to voice but they want to hear that somebody feels the same way. I'm hoping that this episode will help take some comfort in that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have wanted to listen to it. So thank you everyone for being here. Thank you so much for listening today and hope you come back next week. Again, I'm Marjorie. I'm Lori. And thank you for stopping into why we do the work. Mm -hmm.